It's time to talk buffs with CU voice Mark Johnson on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Well, this right now, the voice of the Colorado Buffaloes, Mark Johnson. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Jim, good morning. Always good to be on with you. Always great to talk with you. Uh, you were on my TV last night because I watched uh, episode one of Coach Prime. Well done oh. last night, Mark. Well done. Well, thank you. I, I did not see it, so uh, I've gotten a few messages uh, here today. and I figured that they interviewed me a number of times and, and had me do some voiceover stuff, so I figured I'd be on there. Yeah, just, yeah, it's most of the segment where you talk about kind of the history of Buffalo's football and yeah. and where, where things were from, from last year, and so... I guess just um, your experience with that, uh, with with being around the, the shooting at Coach Prime, you, you were involved in it to a you know to a limited degree, as you referenced. But uh, uh, just uh, that's once again, that's another part of the Prime effect, and and having a a docu series being shot on the Boulder campus and being around the football program all the time. Well, when you walk in the facility, uh, especially around the football offices, you'll see some signs in there that say um, you're being recorded. All right. They, they say, so there's more to it than that, but it, essentially telling you you're you're being videotaped, you're being audio uh, recorded, and it's just part of that existence there. And so uh, it's it's kind of an interesting deal. You you have the time you forget about it, but uh, you know, you, anytime you go off in any major areas, there's always those signs hanging around. For example, his his weekly press conference. Those signs hang outside uh, the room in which we do that uh, every single week, and so. It's uh, it's part of being around the prime program. Everything is on the record, you know. So <laughs> it's it's kind of kind of a fascinating deal, and and so you know it, to that end, Jim. Somebody asked me the other day, "What are your personal conversations like with, with Coach Prime?" And I said, "There are none, because there are always cameras around." And so you know, I, I'm accustomed to over the years uh, in the various interactions I have with coaches. You know, you have some one-on-one time where it's just the two of you where you know you you kind of get to know each other and and there are personal conversations or or sometimes off the record conversations uh, that we have you know where coaches will tell you i keep an eye on this or this is happening or uh, i'm not sure that young man's going to be on the, playing this weekend for various reasons and so you hear those kind of things well th- those are entirely non-existent because everything is on the record and when you're with coach prime there are always you know five, six, seven, eight, ten people around. Uh, and, and sometimes there are cameras around and microphones around when you're having those. So it, it does change everything uh, to a large degree. And so those kind of interactions never happen. And, and so, uh, uh, you know, somebody said, do you know Deion Sanders? And I said, well, I know him. They said, well, do you, do, I mean, do you really know him? Said, no, I don't. But because of those reasons, because everything is, is always on and the red light's always on. And, and so it, it does kind of change the dynamic of uh, how you interact with uh, you know the individual, I know that it's it's not a necessity to have a a personal relationship with a head coach. But you know, no. doing this as long as you have and as long as I have, that you, you develop those relationships though. And like you yep. said, there are things you learn. There's there's that that the conversations, those conversations you have that are off the record. How much more difficult, or does it make it more difficult for you to do the job that you do covering the Buffaloes with the relationship being? what it is, the limited basis that you have contact with uh, with Deion Sanders. I, I don't know that it makes it more difficult. It does alter it uh, to some degree. And, and so th- this isn't something anybody would notice if they listened to the broadcast. But one change we made was because of that, um, we started a feature this year on the broadcast 
before you hear from Coach Prime of the broadcast, you hear from the coordinators. We do the defensive deep dive and the offensive overview, uh, where we sit down with the coordinators, and, and I, I have conversations with those guys. And that's a little bit more, shall we say, traditional to what I was talking about in terms of how you interact with coaches. And so um, we, we started that. I looked at our producer before the season. I said, you know, I, I don't know that we're going to have the same kind of um, – relationship or conversations that, that we've had in the past, maybe we need to look at doing something a little bit different to kind of fill in some of those cracks. And, and so we started doing that. So it's, it's not that it's more difficult, it's just that it's been altered and we, we kind of approach it from a different different way. And so uh, whether it be Charles Kelly on the defensive side or Sean Lewis and then Pat Shermer, um, I was having those similar conversations with those gentlemen to kind of make sure I've got all of the information I need to do a broadcast on a Saturday afternoon because um, you know, just so, so I know what's going on. And so that, that's kind of how we've altered things this year, and it, it works out great. And, and it, you know, in, in regards to so this guy that was asking me if I know Coach Prem, I said, well, that's got to be kind of tough. And, and uh, is it disappointing? I said, well, no, it's not dip- disappointing. It's just part of the reality of it. And, uh, you know, every time I'm with Prime, he treats me very well, and we have, you know, great conversations, public conversations. And so I've always been impressed with kind of the way he handles himself. And so it, it's not a negative. It's just, uh, it's, you know, there's no line, not wrong, just different. And it, so that, that's kind of how uh, I've approached it this year. Buffalo's voice Mark Johnson with us today on the Team Sports Network. You referenced Pat Shermer uh, with, with Sean Lewis's departure to San Diego State. Bill O'Boyle, we've referenced that uh, Bill was here in, in town with CMU and Russ Martin was the head coach. And, and Bill's going to go out to, uh, to San Diego State to coach the Aztecs offensive line that uh, Deion Sanders asked about Pat Shermer and who took over the play calling for the last four games of the season and whether or not he was going to be the, the play caller offensive coordinator and Dion gave kind of a yeah likely you know that that could happen uh what are you hearing in regard to that about Pat Shermer is there because we're going to ask I'll ask about Phil Oatholt in just a moment uh who could replace Bill O'Boyle that's the at least what's being reported but what about the Shermer situation what is what are you hearing about that well I'm not hearing a whole lot to be honest with you um you know, but uh, I know that I always knew that was a possibility. I, you know, here, here's the thing about it's kind of interesting. I was doing a different show yesterday, and they asked me a similar question. I said, you know, I know if you're a Denver Broncos fan and a Bucks fan, that move does not excite you in any way, shape, or form. Um, but keep in mind, you're talking about different circumstances and different situations and different, uh, you know, rosters and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, I, I don't, I don't have any great inside information on that for you. I can't give you any. Any great uh, thoughts on that? Other than the fact that uh, you know my, my interactions with Pat were very good, and, and enjoyed talking with him. Um, if you look at, and, and so you can you can criticize it from the fact that okay, I'm a Broncos fan. I didn't like what I saw there, and so I'm not going to like what the Buffs saw. Okay, th- th- that's your personal opinion. Okay, um, I, I break it down this way and say, well, l- let's look at what was the productivity of Sean Lewis's offense and Pat Shermer's offense, and obviously there was a, a fewer number of games with Pat Shermer. The offensive productivity was greater under Sean Lewis than it was under Pat Shermer. Yeah. And, again, he took over midstream. And so it's not an apples-to-apples kind of comparison we're making here. If he were to be the guy for next season, uh, he'd have a running start at this, fully understand who he has, what he has, uh, being able to implement a system that he wanted to uh, with the blessing of the head coach, obviously. And so uh, I, I'm, just, I'm not exactly sure how to evaluate it based on just the raw numbers of the past. I mean, and that's about all we have at this point in time. But um, I, I do I do think I find it kind of a curious situation that ends up being that, uh, considering that, you know, 
there was not uh, that long ago. In fact, right at the end of the season, we remember Coach Prime was asked about the offensive coordinator situation. He said, oh, we've got that figured out, and, and you're going to love it or something along those lines. And so uh, that's why when I heard that comment about, you know, he, he may be the guy, I thought, well, that, that's not what I was led to believe at the end of the season, but maybe that's what it ends up being. And so with Bill O'Boyle leaving with Sean Lewis, and I guess very quickly about, about Sean Lewis. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, the feeling was the day when Dion is no longer the Buffs coach, Sean Lewis was could very well have been that guy. Now he's going to be at San Diego State. Just your your take, Mark, on how that, that collapsed, that relationship between those two. Well, it was an interesting deal. And, and again, so not having, going back to what we talked about earlier, not having the great personal interactions in, in a lot of this stuff it's hard to evaluate or give you a lot of reasons for that, but for whatever reason, um, you know, I think I said on your show, if, you know, Learfield Sports came to me today and said, hey, by the way, you're going to have a co-play-by-play guy uh, in Brooklyn against Miami this weekend, I'd look at that as a devotion, yeah. right? Because I was doing a full job beforehand. And so it was never presented as such, but I always took it as such. And what was going on there behind the scenes, I don't know. I don't know if... It was one of those desperation kind of things. Hey, we're, we're dealing with a lot of sacks. Because the productivity had been pretty substantial, as you well know. And so we're dealing with a lot of sacks here. We've got to do something. We don't believe the scheme is uh, doing as much as it can to protect our quarterback. And so we need to make a change. Uh, and if, if there would have been some obvious things when Pat Shermer took over about a lot of max protect formations and they're using dual tight ends and maybe bringing in a fullback or using an extra tackle or whatever it might be, we didn't see a great deal of that. There wasn't an enormous change on the field of personnel that really uh, illustrated that they had done some things to kind of help their protection. And so it, it was a curious thing at that point in time. And then why at that time with – what was it, four games left, I think, in the season? You thought maybe, well, they probably could have gotten through the end of the year and then, and then uh, you know, made whatever changes they were going to. So the whole thing was a little bit head-scratching to me just simply because, you know, I didn't have the inside information as to why it was being made. And I haven't seen any of that sort of thing uh, anywhere else. And so I, I think everyone's kind of wondering the same questions I'm wondering. Players are hitting the portal. Coaches are moving on. Buffs legend Darian Hagan's going to go uh, join Sean Lewis's staff at San Diego State. And I know you've you've known Darian a very long time, and so uh, that's a that's a Buffs great that it's moving on to the to the the left coast. Yeah, it is. And, and you know what, what you just laid out there, um, it it you you can't be judging this in a vacuum, okay? And what I mean by that is this: I saw them. I'm looking for it right now as we're sitting here, and maybe I can stumble upon. Uh, the numbers that I see. Here it is, I think. Players that enter the transfer portal uh, around the big or Pac-12. Nah, I'm not, not finding it right now. Anyway, uh, the, the point being is Colorado's actually in the low end of players leaving the, in the transfer portal. And, and so, you know, I'm getting all these messages uh, you know, from fans going, what is going on? Well, <laughs> it's, it's, college football is going on. This is where we're at right now. I mean, look, look what's happening at Ohio State right now. It has been an enormous exodus on one of the top programs in America. And so what do you have now? Is it about six players, I think, that yeah. hit the transfer portal? Six players. Yeah, six players. And, and Owen Carey really doesn't count because he was not even on the team in 2023. Yeah, Mark, I just got some numbers here very quickly. From the, yeah. the Big 12 teams that are being the Big 12 this next season, Cincinnati's got the most of 20th. Colorado's lower half of the conference right now right. in right. terms of transfers. So, so that, that puts some puts it into some perspective for folks. 
It, it does. And, and so it, it really isn't shocking what we're seeing, because what we're seeing around the country, uh, on, on Tuesday, I, I, my, somebody had put it out there, one of the uh, recruiting services put it out there, that, that the number of players in the transfer portal was like 1,400 or thereabouts, roughly. And that was uh, a, a considerable amount over what at the same period from a year ago. We knew going in this was going to be crazy. Having six players, really five, in the transfer portal is not a substantial amount. Now, from a coaching standpoint, uh, let's look at you know the Sean Lewis, Bill O'Boyle thing. Well, those two were connected at the hip. We knew that coming in. They both came in from Kent State. When Sean came in uh, from Kent State, he brought Bill O'Boyle with him. And so they were kind of a package deal. And so when the whole thing happened with Sean, uh, and, and you can speculate as to why you think it happened or, or what the deal was there. I kind of figured when Sean went someplace, Bill was going with him. That's right. just my, my assumption. And then the Darian Hagen thing, and I'm, I'm great friends with Darian. I've known Darian now for 20 years and, and love him like a brother, and uh, we communicate on a regular basis. He's going to San Diego State along with Sean, but people have got to understand, he was not in a coaching role at the University of Colorado. He's in an ambassador role. And, and I think when Dion came in, he made that decision, made sure that Darian was going to be involved within the football program, but was not going to be in a coaching situation. And Darian wanted to get back into coaching. And, and so it, it's basically about as simple as that. It's about so, opportunity. Yeah, an opportunity. And so it, it, people want to read a lot into a number of things, but understand what was going on, what the dynamics were within and the context was. And then you look back and go, well, okay, I guess it does kind of make sense in a lot of respects. And, and what, what we're dealing with here in terms of players leaving and coaches is really on the, on the lower end of the scale in terms of what we're seeing around the country right now. And, again, that's just the reality of college football. I don't like it. I don't think it's good for the game. But the fact that we've got this open market now where guys are just – I mean, how, how do you explain starting players on top 15 teams around the country – just going, you know what, I'm leaving. I, I, I don't get it at all. You're, you're in a great situation. You're winning a lot of football games. You're, you're uh, you know, a starter or a, a significant contributor, and guys are jumping ship. And it's just amazing to me how many are just jumping around for seemingly just because the gate. You know, it's, it's like when, when somebody here leaves one of my gates open, my horse is just, well, the gate's open. i got to go that direction. Well, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but this, this is what we're seeing right now. Like I said, I don't think it's good for college football or, or good for the young man who is just jumping ship. See you, Voice Mark Johnson, with us today on the Team Sports Network. I mentioned Phil Lodeholt, who was an outstanding prep football player at Fountain Fort Carson, went on to play for the Vikings. Uh, before that, of course, he was at Oklahoma uh, blocking for Sam Bradford. Uh, he's been an Oklahoma analyst uh, the last couple of years, and so now it looks like Phil Lodeholt will be the guy that replaces Bill O'Boyle with the very important task of protecting Shadur Sanders. Well, that, that's awesome. I, I don't know a great deal about it. You've told me more than I actually know about Phil. Um, but I've heard his name many times over the years. And so, you know, fantastic. I, I hope that works out. I hope he has great, great success. Now, here's what Phil's going to need if he's going to have success in that role in Colorado if this is to come to pass. Uh, and that is the raw material to have a great offensive line. And, and so that, to me, if you're a, a CU fan out there, that, to me, is the one thing I'm watching. Uh, Sean Lewis, Bill O'Boyle, even the Darian Sanders, or the Darian Sanders, uh, uh, Darian, uh, 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 Darian Hagen, rather, uh, situation. That's not what I'm focused on. I'm focused on what is the raw material going to like in the offensive and defensive fronts that that you know would would make Phil's uh, uh, arrival here, if that's the case, uh, be successful. Because that is the most pressing thing, and I think the number one thing that will be a factor in what happens in 2024 for the Colorado football program is what they find and who they get to play those positions because those were the two most glaring issues in 2023 that have got to be taken care of next season.
Mark Johnson, voice of Buffalo, is with us. And, and no surprise, Travis Hunter, the Paul Horning Award. Uh, the, the, the job that he did this year on both sides of the football, receiver, defensive back, um, the most versatile player in college football, uh, even with missing games, Travis Hunter was that guy. Yeah, yeah without question. I mean, it, yeah, for those that don't know the Paul Horning Award, goes out to the most versatile player in college football, and nobody was more versatile than, uh, than Travis Hunter. I was scratching my head a little bit uh, when, when he got the, was it the second team all-conference in the Pac-12 for the athlete special teams non-returner role, and I thought, well, he never played special teams. <laughs> so how, does, how, do you, how do you get that when you don't play it? I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming they, they, they lean more on the athlete portion of that than they right. special teams non-returner, <laughs> because I, I am thinking... When I first saw it, I went, wait, wait a minute. Uh, in fact, Travis and I actually talked about that. He said he had no interest in playing special teams, but yet got a slash special teams award. But, no, as versatile as anybody we've ever seen in college football, period, from from uh, 2023 back to the beginning of the game. And so uh, not surprised that happened. Uh, great, great athlete, obviously. Can't wait to see what they do with him in 2024. Do wonder if they continue to play him as many snaps as they do on the offensive side of the ball uh, moving forward. Because I I think I've told you this, Jim, I've talked to a number of NFL scouts who all tell me they see him as an NFL high-level, top-level cornerback. As a receiver, they say, well, we think he could probably be a a quality receiver in the NFL. Everyone thinks the natural positions on the defensive side, and I do wonder if, if they start to maybe focus more on that side still have him play on offense but not nearly as much as he did this past year hey mark one final thing basketball uh buffs bouncing back after the loss to csu with that really good win against pepperdine uh, and now you're off to uh, to brooklyn new york uh the nabc brooklyn showcase coming up uh, this sunday when you take on uh, when the bus take on jim larinaga in miami yeah uh, love the fact i get to do the game not terribly happy i have to go to new york city but you know that's just yeah, <laughs> me uh, but, yeah, we go out, out there. We're leaving back tomorrow afternoon about uh, about one thirty, And uh, that's going to be a big game. Here you got a team that was in the final four a year ago. Has been as high as, what, seven or eight, I think, in the, in the polls earlier this year. They're like 15 right now after taking a loss to Kentucky. But a, a high-level basketball game. And so the Buffs have, have had uh, – now this will be their second opportunity to play somebody of that stature. Obviously, we know that Colorado State is very, very good. And uh, the Buffs didn't play terribly well in that contest end up getting beat by five or six. Now you got another opportunity. This one happens to be just a neutral court game, uh, obviously, but still a uh, great opportunity for Colorado. And I think, I think they're, they're itching. When, when we got done with the game on, I guess it was Sunday, uh, talking with a bunch of guys afterward, I know they're kind of itching for the opportunity because they, they feel like they left one on the court uh, at Fort Collins last week. And so, yeah, the great, great, great situation here. Uh, before the holidays, then you come home and everything else is home until we get to uh, conference play. And so their last real opportunity to put a, a real nice nugget on their resume, if you will, for NCAA tournament time.